Welcome to Tucson New Thought. I'm going to start today with a parable. Once a fisherman was sitting near a seashore under the shadow of a tree. A rich businessman passing by approached him and inquired as to why he was sitting under a tree and not working. To this, the fisherman replied that he had caught enough fish for the day. Hearing this, the rich man got angry and said, why don't you catch more fish instead of sitting in a shadow wasting your time? The fisherman asked, what would I do by catching more fish? The businessman said, you could catch more fish, sell them, and earn more money, and buy a bigger boat. The fisherman replied, what would I do then? You could go fishing in deep waters and catch even more fish and earn even more money. What would I do then? You could buy many boats and employ many people to do work for you and earn even more money. What would I do then? You could become a rich businessman like me. What would I do then? You could then enjoy your life peacefully. What do you think I'm doing right now? When we talk about the concept of change, sometimes we misinterpret the notion of change, thinking we need to change into something to fit an ideal of somebody else or a community outside ourselves. And today, today's message is deepening into that understanding that change is only necessary if you decide that you want to change. That's it. You do not have to fit the paradigm of any other person. Trust me, I don't. <laughs> And I, and, I, and I push against paradigms a lot. I do. Um, but it took me a while to get there. It took me a while to get there. When I first, um, actually I hadn't really thought about talking about this, but when I first came out of the closet as a gay man in 1991, I went through a period of my life for actually several years where I thought I had to fit into a certain ideal that was presented to me about what it meant to be gay and how to show up as a gay man. It's super easy to fall into that. And especially when you first come at, now this, you know, this, I don't know that this is anybody else's journey, but I only ever speak to you about my journey. Here's the thing about when you come out, if you come out, you actually, it's almost like you're starting over. It's like being born again. And you, you go, through, uh, you go through a childhood, you go through an adolescence, and you go through growing into adulthood all over again in your life. But in any aspect in which we come out, that's the truth. Any aspect in which we decide to live our lives truthfully from a place of integrity, that is what will happen, unless you decide for it not to be unless you decide for it not to be. This month, I have chosen as our theme the word becoming. 
becoming. And I chose that because what I have come to discover in my life is that the state of becoming is an ever-present state. We are now, right here, right now, we are now in the process of becoming. And now. And now. It is an ever-present state. But we are sold a bill of goods as though there is some destination to this journey of becoming, and it's not true. It's just not true. There is no destination in the journey of becoming. We are becoming more of ourselves all the time. All the time. So, I would love for you, just in this moment, to reflect for yourself. Close your eyes. Just take in a breath and allow yourself to reflect right here and right now on who and what it is you are becoming. This ever-present state is the expression and experience of love that is being reflected in this world of form by means of you. And so we're constantly unfolding in more magnificent ways every single day, just like the affirmation says. And that brings me great joy to know that to know that my life is just getting better and better and better because it can get better and better and better. This is true for each and every one of us. The things that hold us back from that are anything that is rooted in our past. Now, I could look at that idea of how I came out. Gosh, it was a long time ago. <laughs> it was 29 years ago. And I could look at that and I could say, ooh, who I was then, how much of that am I still carrying with me? And there's benefit to that if I determine what I'm going to do about that. But what I have found in my life mostly is that I just need to let those things go from my past. I need to let go of any notion that I have to be anything other than the most magnificent me I can be. I think about that rich businessman who is so motivated by making more money and more money and more money and more money so that at some point he could get to the point where he could enjoy his life. How many of us are living in that paradigm? How many of us are living looking forward to the day we retire? How many of us lived our life looking forward to the day that we could retire so that we could actually start to step into the experience and expression of life the way we really want to live our life? You know, I made a choice very early on. When I, even when I was an actor, I made a choice very early on. I said, I choose never to work a day in my life. And you know, you've all heard that saying, if you love what you do, you never will work a day in your life, right? If you truly love what it is you are doing, who you are being in this world, and that is expressing itself in terms of your creative expression, you will never work a day in your life. I choose to be a man on some level of leisure and enjoy my life peacefully. 
It does not mean that I don't work. I do work, but I love what I do. I love what I do. How many of us are willing to actually step into that paradigm, or are we holding on to an old idea of what it is to work that maybe we brought into our experience from what our parents told us should be? Work hard. It's just something to consider. Every single moment, we are consistently unfolding as spirit more and more and more and more. Now, that's kind of an, it's, that's an idea because we can never actually be more spiritual than we are right now because we are 100% pure spirit. So you can't be any more spiritual than you are right in this moment. But how do you feel? What aspects of your life do you look at and go, ooh, that's not so spiritual. Ooh, that's me. That's out of integrity. Ooh, that's me stepping off of this idea for just a moment so that I can be I don't know, whatever, whatever I choose to be. I was going to be like, so I, can, so I can complain. That's a big one. Stepping off a of principle for just a moment so I can complain. Well, what energy does that bring to the expression and experience of your life? And that's one that I have to look at because, boy, I love to complain. No, actually, I don't. <laughs> I used to love to complain because it was a false sense that I was doing something about the thing for which I was launching into a complaint. And the truth is, absolutely did nothing to that thing, it just affected me adversely. That's it. That's it. So we are constantly giving birth to creation at all times, in all ways. Everything that shows up in our life is a reflection of that which is in our mind first and foremost, and we are constantly, constantly, constantly unfolding. We are consistently becoming. Ernest Holmes wrote this, we are giving birth to the next great spiritual impulsion of the world. And for the first time in history, free from dogma, fear, superstition, materialism, and all that has built on ignorance and denials of divinity, the universe in which we live is a spiritual system now. To what degree do you agree with that statement and to what degree do you deny any aspect of that statement? And I ask you that as a point of self-reflection so that we can step into this notion. To the degree that we think we are still rooted in dogma, superstition, materialism, any of that is the degree to which we will have that experience in life and it actually stops the magnificent becoming that we are all I don't know what the word is I want to look for. To, to, it stops the becoming that we are all engaged in. I don't think it can be stated enough. We are spiritual right now. And any limitation we place on the forward momentum and flow of spirit is simply going to be that, a limitation in the experience of our lives. Any place where we negotiate with our good is a place where we are stopping ourselves from experiencing our good. Any place where we fight for our limitations is a place that we are now not going to live the unlimited experience of life. And so it is up to us to, in this moment, decide that we are going to actively step into the state of becoming more and more. I think it's an interest, in, this, in this quote, I think it's an interesting word choice that he uses. He says, we are giving birth to the next great spiritual impulsion 
I love that word, impulsion. Impulsion uh, is essentially the force behind any action, any activity, is the impulse. We talk about the impulse of spirit that's showing up in the expression and experience of our lives. We make, number one, an impression in mind. What we call our individualized mind is the infinite universal mind, our use of it. We make an impression on mind. That impression becomes an impulsion, and the result is expression in form. Impression creates impulsion leading to expression. That's the entire philosophy. We are here to engage actively in the law of cause and effect. The impulsion, that idea, that, 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 that impression in mind, that is the cause. The law is the impulse, and the effect is the form of our lives. So if you are looking to create a better life, and who isn't? I am still looking to create an even better life than I'm already living. And you know what? I'm living a pretty good life. I am still looking to create an even better life. It is possible. You know how I know it's possible? Because I have not reached infinity yet in my experience and expression of the good. But I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So this constant flow, impression, impulsion, expression, this is happening, happening ceaselessly all the time by means of each and every one of us. And we can either actively engage it, or we can allow ourselves to be on the ride and be subject to everything, every idea that is outside the self. And that may lead us in the direction of good, and it may not lead us in the direction of good. So I choose to actively engage in this practice because Ernest Holmes says, trained thought is far more powerful than untrained thought. And many people are walking around with untrained thought, these ideas that are willy-nilly coming into their experience and they accept them at face value. They choose not to address them at the level of understanding of, is this in support of me? Is this in support of the good of humanity? Is this in support of the love that I choose to be? And when we, when we walk around willy-nilly not addressing the thoughts that come into our mind, well, then we are subject to the flow of those impulses showing up in our experience. So who do you choose to be today? Do you choose to be someone who is in charge of their life or someone who is going to maybe take a step back and say, oh, I don't know so much. And yeah, I see all this stuff around here. You know, there's actually, I really wasn't going to talk about this today, but it, you know, what else is new? <laughs> I got a text message. This, well, it, it actually came in last night. I'd already gone to bed. Um, I got a text message from a... Uh, colleague of mine, Reverend Rita Andriello, from uh, she and her husband started the Center for Spiritual Living Kauai on the island of Kauai. And we were in ministerial studies together, and so we, have a, we, we check in with each other, we're constantly in contact with each other about all the things that are happening in our experience of this thing called ministry. And she sent me this text message last night, and she said, what are you going to do about the coronavirus in your center? I'm like... Well, <laughs> nothing. Here's the deal. Here's what I'm going to say about the coronavirus. Wash your hands. That's what they're all saying. Don't even worry about the mask. Wash your hands. You know, don't sneeze into your hands. Sneeze into the crook of your... That's, that's really all I'm going to say about the coronavirus. But here's, what, here's the reason she asked that. She said, I see all of these centers all over that are, you know, 
that are sending out these messages, taking these big precautions around what this could mean to their community. And, you know, they're, they're putting out extra hand wipes and they're putting out this and they're putting out that. And they said, and she said, doesn't this seem in, in contrast to the philosophy that we are teaching? Yeah. And I said, yeah. But here's how I followed it up. I said, but here's the thing. The minister being, and, and you know, I hate talking about in terms of hierarchy, but in a spiritual community, the consciousness starts with the minister. And the minister is guiding a vision in consciousness. And so if a minister has fear around the effect of the coronavirus in their community, then they better take all those precautions. Because that is an impression that is leading to impulsion that is going to show up as expression. I know something different. So I said to her, I'm not, except now that I did, I wasn't planning on addressing that at all today. Because that is me saying, on some level, I have fear around that, and I don't. I don't have fear around it at all. And neither should you. But those are the kinds of things. If we are not in charge of our mind and we allow ourselves to see what's happening in the news and to see what's happening in our government that are telling us messages of, you should be in fear, then you will create exactly the reason why you should have been in fear to begin with. So our work is to address what we are creating. Are we creating, uh, a, 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 are we creating panic and disharmony or are we creating ease and harmony? It's up to each and every one of us to make that determination for ourselves. So yeah, there's a lot of panic in the world right now. And we are each of us in charge of how we relate to it. We can buy into the collective. That's absolutely a choice that is valid. Or we can choose not to. I think I know where I'm going to fall in that equation. I know who I am. And I know where I will land. So I choose to not fall into panic and fear. So today, the title of my talk is a change in me, that we all need to be willing to make a change in me. And then as Logan so beautifully pointed out, oh, it's an acronym, mm -hmm. when it went onto Facebook. And that is true. So impulsions rooted in impressions create expressions, right? The impressions are me. The impressions are me. Me within this philosophy is what we call the mental equivalent. The mental equivalent, and that's a big old jargon word, and I know I've used it before, and I've talked about what mental equivalent means before. Here's what a mental equivalent is. It is simply this, an idea. That's it. A mental equivalent is an idea. And what we, the reason we call it a mental equivalent is because the idea takes form. So the form is based on that idea. They are equal. That's why we call them mental equivalents. It is an equal idea in mind that is showing up in form. I also love that it spells me because it is a reminder to me 100% of the time that my life is all about me and my mental equivalence all the time. So there's been a change in me, not just because uh, of me, but because I am changing the mental equivalent of my experience and expression of life to something more profoundly easeful, graceful, rooted in health and vitality.
Are you on that page with me? Absolutely. There is a thing that we uh, teach in this philosophy as well. (laughs) Imagine, if you will, that I'm standing on a four-legged table. And each one of those legs represents a different aspect of my life. One leg is health, physical health, and mental health. One leg is prosperity and abundance. One leg is creative expression. And one leg is the relationships in my life. If I know who I am, and I am actively addressing all four of those legs at all time, then that table stands pretty solidly secure, right? But if there's any point where I have taken a uh, notch out of one of those legs, say that I'm not feeling so good about my physical health, that shortens that leg, and all of a sudden, my entire life is out of balance. So part of the purpose of this particular New Thought philosophy is to say we must be working actively at all times to put ourselves into a place of balance so that all of those legs are always in alignment. Our vision at this center is a world that works for everyone. And, and if you are part of Centers for Spiritual Living, you may recognize and know that I, am, I chose not to affiliate the center with Centers for Spiritual Living, but I utilized their vision because I think it's an important vision. A world that works for everyone means that it starts right here and right now, just like I talked about with the peace candle. That which is within the constant and infinite illumination in our hearts can spread forth to create a world that works for everyone, and it is rooted in the here and now by means of each and every one of us to the degree that we allow it to shine forth. And any idea that is contrary to your good, that is contrary to one of those four table legs being out of balance, That is how we step into dis-ease. That is how we step into harm. That is how we step into challenge in our lives. So you are the one who is in charge of creating a world that works for everyone. I have now tasked you with that. You are here to create a world that works for everyone. Are you willing to take on that mantle? Yes. And the rest of you? The idea of creating a world that works for everyone, is not, it, it, is not, it is not a vision particular to our faith. I think that many faith traditions would come from this idea that rooting themselves in their tradition, in their faith, is creating a world that works for everyone. We don't have to convince anyone else to want that, though. There's only one person that we have to convince, and that is ourselves. When we have convinced ourselves, a new mental equivalent is created A new spiritual prototype, as Troward called it, is created. A new idea is created in our mind, and that idea, being the impression, impulses itself into expression. And guess what happens? Life gets better because you decided for it to get better. You decided to live in a world that works for everyone. Ernest Holmes says, the transformation takes place here. The transformation takes place here, right here, right now. That's my interjection. The transformation takes place here. You don't, have to, you don't have to wonder if it will take place out there. The world will come when enough of us see through the night in the celestial light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Boy, he had a way with words. 
He really had a way with words. If you are ready to be the celestial light, just let yourself be rooted in that. I have homework for you. Shocker, I know. (laughs) This week, I want you to find the ways in which you are choosing to change your mind. And I want you to do it in the instant that it arises. There's a video. I've used this video many times in the work that I do in ministry, and it's hilarious. And some of you may know this video. It was on uh, Mad TV, and uh, it was when Bob Newhart was a guest on that particular television show. And he plays, go figure, a psychologist, (laughs) or a psychiatrist, I don't know how they put it on the show. But anyway, uh, he has a client come in, and he's behind his desk, and he says, so here's what I want you to know. I'm gonna charge you $50 for the first five minutes, and then everything after that is free of charge. And the client says, well, I don't understand. He says, well, if you can't fix it in the first five minutes, then you know, the rest of it's free of charge. And she says, okay. He says, so, so he says, all right, now tell me your issue. And she explains that she has a dreadful fear of being buried alive in a box. And he says, she explains this, and she goes into some detail about around this fear. And he sits back and he says, okay, I'm going to tell you something. And I really, really want you to hear this, and I want you to take this to heart. And she says, she says should I take notes? If you feel comfortable taking notes, you can take notes. Okay. So she gets herself ready, and he looks at her right in the eye, and he says, stop it. <laughs> Now here's the thing, we all laugh at that, right? Why do we laugh at that? Because we don't think it's possible on some level. And so we find humor in the idea that we are not in charge of our minds. Think about that. So that's the task this week, is to stop it. To find those things that are coming up for you that are not in alignment with your well-being, that are not in alignment with your most magnificent life. Find those things. Allow yourself to go on the journey of really, really paying attention this week. And when they come up for you, stop it. Are you willing to do that this week? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Are you really sure? Yes. Whoa, yes, I love that. Yeah, so let that be your mantra, right? And, 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 and instead of questioning why, instead of letting those questions bubble up, because sometimes they bubble up, like, I'm going to stop it, but I can't. But I'm going to stop it, but really, I'm... Mm. No, instead of going to the can't, say, what can I do? I use that all the time, too. What can I do? What is possible in this moment? And the truth is, anything is possible because everything is probable in the infinite spirit, and that is exactly who and what you are. That is the truth. That's what I'm sticking to it, and that is one way to establish a change in me. And so it is. Hello, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz. And I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of My Sunday Message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. 
You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, www.tucsonnewthought.org. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.